Hey, everybody, this is part two of a three-part interview with Dr. John Duffy. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one, go back to an earlier podcast so you can listen to that one and uh, hopefully enjoy it. They don't know it. You know, they don't. You know, John, like I, so I want to go back to the feel, you know, feeling aliveness and that is about yourself, about hope, all these things that you say that boys right now, it seems flat is that I really think in our, like, what can we do in our families is having a culture of aliveness in our home. And, and, and again, that's going to look different, but it's like, do we as parents have things we're hopeful about? Do we have fun? Do we laugh? Do we see in every individual in the family, the, the light that shines from them and the gifts they have? And that's, that sounds cheesy. Um, let me say that better. Do, do we recognize everybody's skill sets? Do we, do we, do we pay attention? Do we say, man, when you're at dinner, you are the best because you bring up the greatest, you know, topics or it doesn't have to be about perfect grades and you're the, you know, this on the football team. It's about you as a human because that's the aliveness. Like when we talk about aliveness, sometimes parents go straight for the, well, I'm going to put them in a club or a, or a sport, which is fine. That's a whole nother thing. But this is deeper. This is, you know, what you're describing is they don't have a sense of inner worth. And yes. so like, how do we do that as a culture, like in our families? Um, First of all, what, what I what I think you said there wasn't cheesy. Um, okay. Actually, I think that I think that's actually exactly the point. And I'm smiling because, um, in in the past couple of years, like um, uh, during and post pandemic, I've done a lot of like parent coaching, like you know, so mm -hmm. literally like working with parents, not always working directly with kids, and um, and I found that that is a concept that parents kind of dig and love. And um, the idea that like, oh, right, we can model, you know, a really fun, um, energetic, active, alive life. And um, and there's one family I work with, I'm going to be a little cryptic here, but I don't think they'd mind me outing them a little bit. <laughs> and and, and, and um, mom and dad, and dad in particular, they... They came in one time not that long ago, and they said, he said, he, in particular, he said, uh, I forgot, I, my kids are awesome. Like, right? I love, <laughs> and he honestly had, I forgot they weren't just a pain in the ass. Like, but we started playing some games, and we would just have some talks, and uh, there, there's a game that um, my wife and I, and uh, George, my son, and his fiance Lauren play um, where the the whole game is think of a person, anybody. It can be uh, a real person, it can be a famous person, it can be somebody we know, anybody. And so it's it's my way of getting out of playing board games because Lauren <laughs> loves them and I don't. Um, but uh, and so and then you just ask a bunch of questions until you figure out who it is, and everyone like celebrates like, oh my god, you know, like that 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 we you, we figured out who it was. But, and that generates all this discussion. So this family started playing that game and they would just laugh together. And the dad realized like, oh, these kids have depth that I didn't know they had. And they know about famous people I didn't know they knew about. Like, so he's learning about his kids who he, who he has in this box, right? Of, of like, you know, kind of like, I, ju I just have to like contain them and get them to this certain point and then I'm done, you know? But- this is an exercise. This is, and, and, and then I can like check the box, right? Like kind of like retirement, like I can call it instead of like, Oh, 
this is joy. This is this is a joyful process. These people are amazing and, and they live with me. Like they, <laughs> they're my roommates and we get to hang out. And and that changes everything because that changes a kid's whole demeanor because mom and dad kind of not by virtue of some guy telling them light up for your kids, but by virtue of like, I'm hanging out with them. I'm getting to know them in a really organic way. And it's easy to light up for them because I'm, I'm realizing the truth of that, that they're amazing, that they're thoughtful and smart and creative and incredible. And that is that that's one of my favorite things is like, I forgot my kids didn't suck. You know, right. like, that is a great moment. Um, in uh, the second part of your book, The Boy Problem Described, uh, you talk about a young man named Ryan. And Ryan, I think he's a freshman at university, and he takes a gender studies course. And I'm just going to read this paragraph, and then I want you to riff off of it. Wait, Todd, before you do sure. that, can I say something just because I know we're going to switch gears to something different? Sure. Is I just want to go off what John said and that basically, because I'm thinking of our friend Annie Burnside who wrote, you know, you know, Soul to Soul Parenting. And again, people use this in many different ways, but I always like to give Annie credit. Is like when you get out of the role of parent and you're like, these kids, I'm having relationships with them. And right now we're talking about teen boys and, you know, I, I talk about teen girls all the time. Like they're getting older. You get to have a more peer relationship with them. Yes, you're still the parent. Everyone always jumps on me about that. But you get to have fun. And, you know, on that note, like the thing that Todd and I always do, or I do, I make sure we do, is this is awards season right now, John. I don't know if you know that. But there's oh, like... I'm aware oh, that you're aware too. Oh, I'm very aware. Like this is <laughs> Critics' Choice and Golden Globes and the Oscar nominations are coming out on Wednesday and, you know, Emmys were in January. And like that to me is important. That's not important to everybody. But like I bring my kids in. We have like a competition around it. And and just like you said, like my, my younger daughter who's still home, she, when she fills it out, she's like, I'm only doing it from my heart. She's like, I know these people won't win, but I'm doing this from my heart. You get, not that I didn't already know that about her, but the, they bring their personality to your, to games, to things that you do. So you know, for Lauren, it's board games. For you, it's like, let's have a conversation. For me, it's like, I bring in competition because then Todd will do it because he needs to compete with everything. Um, but <laughs> so, you know, like we create it so everybody likes it. So I just wanted to riff off of that because I think we forget that we can be, and I and this used to be so off limits when John and I first became therapists, but you can be friends with your kids, mm -hmm. you guys. You are still yes. their parent, but you can be friendly with your children. Do you remember when everyone would be like, do not be your kid's friend. Oh, it still happens, doesn't it, Kathy? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, so I still get that a lot. Like, yeah. you know, I'm the parent and I drive the hard line. Yeah. And my my point is is kind of a combination of what we're saying because I totally agree with you. And the good news of parenting is something I think we forget is like if we invest in that way, if we enjoy it and connect in that way then we our parenting works you know right. like that's that's the emotional bank account thing yes. where it's like okay you're you're investing and you're suddenly in the black because you're enjoying your time together instead of policing your time together and so you can read all these books or come to these conferences and something's going to work actually you know because you've made that investment it's like a win win it's not one dimensional 
but it's not the reason to get to do it. It's just a, a good byproduct. Exactly. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, Todd, go ahead. So before we get into the gaps, which is part three, I just want to read you something that impacted me in part two. And it's about, I think one of your clients, John, uh, was a freshman at a university and he took a gender studies course wanting to understand a different person's perspective. <laughs> and so this is what you wrote. Um, Ryan also told me that that in real time, he sensed an undercurrent of sentiment against men in the class. Mm. The girls and women in the class were called on more, most frequently for discussion and questions. He noted a lot of talk about toxic masculinity and the societal problems caused by men seeking to gain power, money, sex, or fame. Ryan actually had some points he wished to make and some questions to ask. He wanted to speak up frequently during the class, but every time he thought about raising his hand, he stopped himself. Mm. The risks of being called out, of being accused of not getting it, or of being canceled in real time felt too great for him. Eventually, Ryan, who had again chosen to take his course in order to, to better understand, dropped the class altogether. To him, the risks outweighed any potential rewards, and he was just too anxious in there to continue. And that's just like so heart-wrenching to me. Uh, because I felt like we were, were about to create an ally, right? And then he got too scared. And I can look at that through both lenses. One is, okay, the girls are getting called on more frequently. Like, welcome to what it's like to be a woman, right? right? Like, oh, yes, yes, our, absolutely. Our, our female counterparts swim in that world. So now Ryan is also is swimming. And I love the fact that Ryan jumped in. And I'm just so sad that he jumped out because it's foreign to him. We're not used to not getting our needs met first. So I just wonder if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah. Um, first of all, that 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 is um, he gave me permission to use his name and his story. Um, that is that story is basically comes from Ryan verbatim. Um, and uh, and uh, it, it's kind of like he he wanted me to include that because he said like. I want there to be some cautionary tale to people out there that um, if we're not because because he came into that course, an ally, you know, very much an ally wanting to learn more, wanting to learn, like be part of the conversation, learn what he could do to be helpful. Um, and that anxiety really did um, what was was profound enough that he stepped away um, from from the class. And he it, he kind of wanted me to send out a clarion call culturally that if we're going to have the conversation and move the ball forward for any group, we all have to have, everyone needs a mic. You know what I mean? Like everyone has to have a microphone. There has, we can't silence anyone and expect the ships to rise. You know what I mean? Like the, um, because he said, like, if he weren't a different, if he were a different guy, he would come out of that situation angry and 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 he would and and then suddenly he would be on this other team and there would be this division right and he thinks a lot of times there is that that actually is happening in real time and so you know his point and encouraging me to include that was let this be a cautionary tale that um there is some anxiety about saying the wrong thing and if we're all walking on needles and pins and being cautious about what we say, some of us aren't going to say anything. And that negativity could be turned inward as it often is, could be turned outward and make a headline one day, you know, as it, as it often does. So, you know, um, so it's just the, the big point is just all voices need to be heard. Yeah. All voices need to be heard. 
on on all the issues. Well, we have this binary thinking, like it's either are we are we are we lifting up the girls or the boys? And I just I shared this quote on the podcast last week. A friend of mine said it. I don't know where he heard it, but when one gender wins, both genders lose. And I think that could be really um, hard for certain. You know, the idea that we're going to focus on boys. If you're a woman or if you're a girl, you're like, we've been focusing on boys since, I don't know, 4,000 BC or whenever we started doing that. In our lifetimes. And like in our, our lifetimes. lifetimes. Yeah. yeah. And now all of a sudden we're giving more attention to the boys? Well, ahead, and it, it's interesting because like, that's a great, that's such an interesting story. Like we could do a class on that story <laughs> because like I'm picturing myself, I, I teach college kids and um, I have, because I teach social work, I have very few guys in my class. It's usually like three guys and then like 20 girls. And- when I'm talking anything about gender specific, and sometimes I have to say things like, here's the statistic around, you know, boys, you know, tend to only show anger, girls, and but then I'll always stop and say, okay, guys, what do you think about that? So they can say, they usually agree, like the research is not that far off from most people's experience. But to your point, as long as they can share it and and not be told who they are, like I think these are very nuanced things of... Um, it's not so much because I'm picturing the girls in this gender studies class of Ryan's and they're there to talk about their experience. And if a guy is like, ooh, ooh, call on me, they're going to call him a mansplainer. They're going to or internally, there's like, let us talk about, you know, but it's gender studies. He is a gender as well. Right, right. So this is so it's it's a um you know, I, I'm just going to throw the word compassion on it. We just have to be able to, first of all, as teachers, make sure we're getting both perspectives. Like I wish that teacher could, I'm not going to blame the teacher, but it'd be nice to make sure we're going to hear from the guys. We're going to hear from the girls. Like we got to differentiate a little bit if we're talking about gender, if that's our topic, but we also have to be kind to each other about, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to say this, like, because I tend to, fo- Todd lives in a home with all these girls and women, and sometimes we say harsh things, and I have to kind of back up and be like, Todd, this isn't about you, but we still need to share our experience, and sometimes it comes out with some rage. Does that yeah. make sense, John? It does. 30 years ago, the greatest threat to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today... It's anxiety, depression, suicide, self-harm, cyberbullying, eating disorders, screen time, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience is vastly different than our own. So let's get together and talk about it. We owe it to them to listen. ZPR 2024, it's a two-day in-person live event on January 26th and 27th in Oak Brook, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Go to zenparentingradio.com and get your tickets now. Join the Circle, which is the Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection, plus live talks. We also have small groups that focus on finance, raising healthy sons, differently wired families, and I have an exclusive women's group. This is only $25 a month, and you can cancel at any time. Our motto is zero pressure, 100% support. It does. It does. And, um, you know, uh, so Ryan and I, we, we, we talked about this because yeah. I was starting to write the book at this time. And I think I, t- I'm pretty sure I kept the story, in, but I have, I'm not sure. Um, I was on a plane writing part of the book and there was a woman next to me and I was thinking, this is in your book. She was, it was in there, it's in there and, yeah. she's, and, and she's kind of looking over my shoulder 
And I'm thinking, and I kind of am mortified. I'm kind of thinking like, oh, I'm putting, here I am. I'm this white guy, middle-aged white guy, and I'm, I'm writing about boys. And she's thinking, she, and I've got experience, life experience, right? I'm, I've, I've got a leg to stand on. And I'm like, she's thinking like, what are you doing, man? This is not, you, you have the wrong place in the wrong time. And we are on a different topic now. <laughs> and so like I, we worked through the anxiety and he did agree like, Hey man, my assumptions might've been wrong. You know, like, um, I, I might, if I had spoken up, maybe that would have been the greatest thing that would have happened. Even if the shit hit the fan, that might've been a good thing, you know? Mm. So I, I think part of it is like loosening up. Everybody's thinking about this a little bit, um, at, so that we can talk about gender and gender equality and what that means. And well, what, what equ equality really means, you know, like, and, um, and not make assumptions. Like I assume something about this woman next to me. Ryan assumed something about that whole classroom, and you know, his anxiety probably came from an honest place. And it's, uh, uh, but, but he is conflicted about tapping out of that. You know, like and and I think that's a good conflict to have, and it probably would have been a great conflict to bring up in class, mm -hmm. right? You know, and that's I I love the idea, Kathy, that you actually turn to the guys, like, and you say, like. What do you think? You know, like, I think the more we're kind of like, what do you think? And we hear out what people have to say, the better off we're going to be. And it's it's a weird time to say this and mean it. But the more likely we are to find common ground. Yes. And I'm gut checking that as I say it, because I'm thinking like politically in the last seven or eight years, how how difficult a time had I personally had finding common ground with people I thought I loved and respected and understood. And then once it came down to like that 2016 election, I was like, I don't know if I could talk to you anymore, you know? So I kind of get where a division can feel like a permanent thing. We're done talking, mm -hmm. but some, some part of me deep down believes that's not the right way. That's not our way forward. Yeah, we're wired for um, survival and we're also wired for connection. And it's a contradiction, it's a paradox, but they're both true. Um, um, and you know, John, I know you saw this because you said something about it on Instagram. I reposted a picture today because seven years ago today was the Women's March. And yes. I brought my girls and my friend Manisha brought her girls and we were all there. And, and you know, Amy Guth, she took a picture of us outside of the WGN studio. She saw us walking by with our signs. It was so great. Amazing moment, by I the know. way. Look at Kathy's Instagram. That's so cool. It's so cool. And and we and it was such a moment. It, it, but what's interesting about that seven years ago, you just said this, is that when I was going to that, many people were like, I get it. And many people were like, now, why are you doing this? What are you angry about? Nothing has happened yet. Not, what are you upset about? And there was a lot of foreseeing, you know, what has occurred. Like women yeah. knew what was happening and it opened up all these conversations about race. It opened up all these conversations about gender because I was going to say like one of the things that I learned from talking more about race is the willingness to have a messy conversation, the willingness to make a mistake and repair for it and to learn and be curious. Like we have to be willing to, you know, like, and this is what Ryan's learning and he's, it's not, his story is so great because he learned from that experience. Like, how do I want to do this different next time? And sometimes it's the willingness to, say something and you make them, and I'm, I'm doing this in air quotes, a mistake where you piss people off, but you repair it. And you say, you yeah. know what, now I get it. Now I totally didn't realize how 
you know, short-sighted that was, or now I get it. So it's this, you know, I will say, and again, because I'm always boosting women in this way, but we knew what was coming. Like we knew what, and, and when I say coming, like so many things, but we lost basic essential human rights in this last couple of years. Like we knew that. And people told me, Kathy, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And it's gone. Roe v. Wade is, is overturned. So these are, you know, these are the things that we struggle with as women. Well, I'm not, okay, sorry. This is about boys. I get so sidetracked, but we're all but, but in Kathy, it together. And, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in fairness, here I am talking over a woman. I'm so no, sorry. no, no, no. Please, please. You're you're Duffy. You don't do that. Um, but but the, the the truth is, this isn't just about boys, right? I right. mean, the truth is, it's about everybody. You know, like this is also about girls. You know, and when I talk about like these these boys, like we we need them to understand yes. what women are going through in, in, in a really honest and sincere and deep way. Because it's really hard to understand. Like when you talk about Roe Ro v. Wade being overturned, I, I'm thinking literally I I have to be reminded. I, I Like I had this sinking gut feeling, but I don't think about that all the time. Right. I think women do. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. and I and I um, and so I think we have to be reminded sometimes about like, you know, how other people feel. And and, you know, these boys and young men are going to be fathers and partners and husbands and, you know, like, so, so uh, this is about everybody winning, you know what I mean? Like every, we all, like Todd was saying, like, you know, this is about men and women and boys and girls and everybody in between, you know, like this is everyone. Well, and you know, who is the, one of the best beneficiaries of men growing up to be conscious, present, grounded men is women, is everybody. It's not, you know, we're not, if we're conscious and our our version of healthy masculinity continues to grow and evolve, it's of course it's going to help the guys, but it'll help any person who happens to be in partnership with a man, which would include romantic, which would which would include parenting. So you know that's just the deal. So, anyways, all right. So part three, the gaps you have. These are the gaps: emotional intelligence, loneliness, hopelessness, hopelessness, opting out joylessness and post-pandemic. Is it a coincidence that you put emotional intelligence gap first or not? It is not a coincidence at all. That's the big one. That That's the, uh, if we can bridge that gap, yeah. most of the rest of the gaps get bridged pretty readily. Um, so no, not, not a coincidence. That's the big one. Um, it's funny because sometimes I, I, listening to us talking, this feels like a, a conversation that could have been had 30 years ago, right? Um, right? You know, like... Um, it almost feels outdated. And I think part of my point in writing this book is um, in this post-pandemic world, this this is not outdated. And we have backslid a little bit where that gap, that emotional intelligence gap seems more prominent than ever to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it's super important because if you've spent... 30 seconds studying emotional intelligence, and I think most of us have some feel for that now, uh, without without some of that in your life, uh, the idea that you're going to be happy and you're going to thrive and you're, go- and you're going to be successful in whatever that looks like to you um, is... Um, it's so unlikely, you know, uh, you, you might, you might make a bunch of money. You might uh, get married and stay married for a long time, but you will, it won't be satisfying and fulfilling and deep and rich and all the things that we all know we want for our people. Um, and so, no, it's the most important one, Todd. And it is, it's everything. If it was the only part of the book somebody read, 
I'd be happy. Well, and I want to jump to the joylessness gap. And you, in that section, you talk about the Taylor Swift effect. And I'm wondering if you can share that, your experience, yeah. what that means. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I've got an office in the city in Chicago. And uh, and um, Taylor Swift had a a, um, a concert this this one Thursday night. And I was heading into work. And, um, and I saw countless. Um, and I, my, my office is two miles from um, Soldier Field where Taylor Swift's concert was. And I saw so many groups of moms and daughters decked out like in and, and singing in the streets, in the city and dancing and just filled with joy together. It was it, it felt surreal. It felt like a, a movie that was absurd, like and yet it was it was really happening and and, and it was visceral for me. I, I was, <laughs> ah, Kathy is holding up her phone right now and showing me a picture of her with her daughters doing this very thing, of course. Joy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the best case in point ever. Um, and, uh, and, and I love that so much. And I remember like I was, I was overjoyed experiencing that. Like that, that, that made my day and, I did not see Taylor Swift on it, but I so wanted to be there. I so I, I saw that you guys were there, and I'm like, "Damn, next time, man! And next time, I am, you know, the next era is mine." Yes. <laughs> well, she's but, coming to Indianapolis when, sweetie? Uh, next year, two and a half hours yeah. away. So let's go. Um, let's do it, John. Not that tickets are available; they're all sold out. But anyway, keep going. So one really quick thing regarding that, and then I want to get into uh, school refusal. Um, the difference between, because if I'm a guy, I'm always being like, yeah, what about what about when I go to the Bears game and I'm hugging and I'm with my buddies? I experienced the Taylor Swift thing. I went to the show in Denver with my wife and my three daughters. My daughters are crying, like, because the lyrics mean so much. And I don't pretend to understand all of her songwriting ability, even though I think it's as good as anybody has ever done it. I will say that. Um oh, yeah. But there's real vulnerability there. Whereas when I am hugging my buddy because the Bears just scored a touchdown, like what means most to me is vulnerability. And there's not much vulnerability at a sporting event. Uh, but at that Taylor Swift concert, it's people are dropping into their hearts. When when at a Bears game, guy, the guys still have their armor up. So, anyways, that's my experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, and 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 you're you're leading right to the point. That's my experience as well. That there's we we can find shades of the Taylor Swift experience, right? As men, like we can, um, and and it can happen at a sporting event. I'm a big uh, I'm a big concert goer, um, and 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 I know that we're collectively when I'm at a Springsteen show that we're all experiencing something, right? Mm. But it doesn't have that same the depth, right? Mm -hmm. The, the depth of, uh, of, of emotion, um, and the joy and the pain, right? Like, you know, that, that, that those lyrics speak to you and collectively everybody's feeling it. And, and moms are with their daughters. And, and I, I know that they're like, I wish an Ed Sheeran or somebody right. would like, would become that, that figure for dads and sons, but, but we don't have that. And we need, to embrace something like that. And maybe it's crossed my mind since writing that, that it wouldn't be the worst thing for dads and sons 
to go see Taylor Swift. You know what I mean? Like that, right. that would be the thing. Like, you know, my, my son and I have talked about like, would we ever go to that? And I'm like, and then we're both like, hell yeah, we'd go and see Taylor Swift together. Well, and when I was in Denver, when I was in Denver and I almost felt guilty because she acknowledged that the men that were in the crowd are not the men that need to listen to this message. It's the ones who <laughs> choose not to show up. And I almost felt like, you know, I, I, this is not a place for me to feel elevated. Yet Taylor Swift, because she's, you know, a wonderful human being, felt the need to acknowledge, you know, the guys and the dads that were in the crowd. Um so well, anyways. let me say this, and th- and I I'm on Todd's case about this all the time, John. So he's gonna be like, I know, Kathy, I know. But women, okay, I'll just speak for myself, my generation, and I think this is true for my daughters too. Um, we grow up looking through men's eyes, like we know how to look through men's eyes. I knew how to be Luke Skywalker. I knew how to be Batman. I knew how to be um, all of these people because I all the books, you know, all the history because that was how I had to learn what it was like to be a human. I had to have that understanding. And what I struggle with is that I don't think men have an understanding of you can look through a woman's eyes and find yourself Mm -hmm. in there. And even if you don't find every aspect of yourself, you learn more Mm -hmm. about a human being and, and all because we are all these things. And so that's like, I was just listening to, you know, Dax's podcast and they have a bunch of different podcasts now on, you know, Dax and, and Monica do. Monica has a podcast with Liz Plank. You may know her. She writes about men all the time. They have a podcast. It's just the two of them talking about their experience. And Monica said last week that there's a guy who listens to every podcast on their channel. And he said, but the only one I don't listen to is you and Liz. And she's like, well, why? And he's like, because it's about girls. (laughs) And this was a grown man. And I think what women want to say is we have learned to look through men's eyes, to look through children's eyes, to look through lots of, and when I say I'm looking through eyes, I'm not having the experience of men or having the experience of a different race, but we're willing to like go there emotionally and, and, you know, and at least try and understand and be curious. And I think that's something boys and men struggle with. Would you agree? I would. That's such a, that's such a big profound notion, Kathy, that you, that you've nailed something really important there. Yeah. I think, you know, um, I and Todd, I think you to some extent as well. We we you you are surrounded by girls and women, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I have the good fortune on my Wednesdays and some other days of the week, um, to uh, really engage with girls and young women about their experiences of the world, and um, and it's so uh, it's it is so wildly different. And so big and vibrant and mm-hmm. and um, and and exciting to mm-hmm. kind of get to, to to learn that 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 other point of view, and it makes me sincerely wish for the genders for the boys and 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 for everybody that we all had a lot more in common or are we allowed some of the same characteristics to bubble up to the top like when I saw the 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 girls and moms dancing with joy in the streets like we guys me you know like like dressing up for something i'm like mm, i'm not much of a costume guy and i don't know you know like i'm not that great of a dancer you know so i don't know mm-hmm. and yet the idea of doing it would probably be freaking amazing you know like and and um and i think for every every guy i know to allow yourself to 
hug the people you love unabashedly for a while, you know, and and tell them you love them and give them a kiss on the cheek or the forehead Mm -hmm. and to cry with people, you know, to cry openly a lot, you know, like to some of these stereotypically feminine qualities. Like if we all exhibited some of that, I just think our lives would be so much deeper and so much richer. And in the end, you know, like, I don't know if I say that directly in the book, but that's part of the experience I want for our boys and our young men and me, like ourselves, you know, part of this is a message to me, like, hey, man, drink in some of what these girls are serving because it is life. It is big. And um, and and missing that missing that viewpoint or silencing that viewpoint is such a mistake. It makes the world so sepia tone. Well, and I will say. Hey, everybody. We're thrilled to announce that the Zen Parenting Conference is back live and in person in 2024. This year, our exclusive event will be centered around teens. Why? Because 30 years ago, the greatest threats to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today, it's currently anxiety, depression, suicide, self-harm, cyberbullying, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience is vastly different than our own. So let's get together and talk about it. We owe it to them to listen, to have honest conversations, and to live our way through it together. If you're currently parenting a teenager or have an emerging teen, this is an event you absolutely won't want to miss. We have limited seating this year, so secure your spot now. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.